as you're grabbing your seats, open your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37. If you are using one of the Bibles that the ushers are handing out, it's on page 491. Ezekiel chapter 37. Beloved, I imagine that this past week you have heard a lot of things, a lot of man's thoughts, a lot of opinions, a lot of human intuition. Maybe you've heard this past week, beloved, that your neighbor your friend, your family member, you are too messed up for God to save. I don't know, beloved, maybe this past week you have heard that the culture that we are living in is hopeless. Now, beloved, here, the word of God from Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I would put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded while I was prophesying. There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are cut off. 
Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. Would you pray with me and ask the Spirit for his help as we open up his word? Spirit, indeed. Breathe life into the slain. Spirit, please give hope to the hopeless. Spirit, please bring near those who are cast off. You are able to do it. And so I pray that you will do it again this morning in our sight. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I, um, I preached my first sermon back in January of 2003. It's a freshman in college, and I had to do what they call a trial sermon. Now, if you, if you don't know what a trial sermon is, this is the, one of the worst experiences you can go through as a young preacher. Here's what a trial sermon is. They call all these pastors and mentors in your life, and you have to preach a sermon in front of them. And at the end of this sermon, these mentors and these pastors have one job, and their job is to either affirm or deny your calling as a preacher. So at the end of the sermon, after you preach your heart out, they will either say to you, yes, brother, like, we believe the Lord has called you in the gospel ministry. Or they will say, you know, maybe you need to keep on praying. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is not, you know, your calling. So I preached this sermon in 2003, and I was 18, 19 years old, and y'all, I was so nervous. I could have thrown up. As a matter of fact, if I would have eaten anything that day, I would have thrown up. Here I was standing before these brothers, as a matter of fact, Ron Perry was there. He was part of this cruel tribunal of men that were hearing me preach, and I was just so nervous. So before the sermon, I'm like, Lord, I, I can't do this. Like, what is this? What have you called me to? I, I'm so nervous. I don't know what to do. Lord, just give me a word. Give me something, Lord, that I can, that I can rely upon. And the Lord brought to mind Ezekiel chapter 37. So before I preached that trial sermon, I sat down and I read Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 14. And it was like this massive peace washed over me. Because as I read Ezekiel chapter 37, it was there that I realized that it's not about me. 
It was there I realized that unless the Spirit of God through the Word of God works, it doesn't matter what I say or don't say. But if the Spirit of God shows up, man, dry bones can live. And I've read Ezekiel chapter 37 before every single sermon I've ever preached over the last close to 20 years. I read it this morning before I got into the pulpit. It's an amazing passage, the thought that no situation is hopeless if the Spirit of God is present. So if you hear one thing this morning, beloved, let me just give you like the the central point of everything I'm going to say. The Spirit of God, through the Word of God, spoken by the person of God, can change even the most hopeless of situations. Let that marinate. Because some of you right now might be in the midst of one of those hopeless situations. And the Spirit of God has the ability to meet you there and bring you out of there if he is willing. So as we go through Ezekiel 37, I'm going to give you sort of three main points under the one main point I just gave you. This is how preachers sort of slide in 25 points into their sermon. The three P's of Ezekiel chapter 37, the the first P is a place. There is a place where God loves to work. And that place is in the middle of hopeless situations. There's a place where God loves to show his might and his power. And that is in situations where everybody is looking in and saying there is no way that situation can be changed. There is a prophecy, prophecy that is the word of God that brings hope. And there is a power as we continue in our series, Help Holy Spirit. There is a power that brings life, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit himself. Point number one, a place where God loves to work, and that is hopeless situations. I'm just going to make a couple of observations about this first point, and then we're going to move on. Notice in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3, it was the Spirit of God that led Ezekiel into this valley. You have to get that RCC. Uh, Ezekiel didn't wander into this valley by himself. He didn't get lost. It was the Spirit of God that led him, that brought him right into the middle of this valley. Why is that important? Because the Spirit isn't scared, beloved. Spirit isn't scared to bring God's people into hopeless situations. So that they, being God's people, and everyone around God's people knows that it is God and God alone who gets all the glory if this situation changes. He loves doing this, and he loves doing it because you and I, in our nature, we are glory stealers. 
We love to take the glory for ourselves, love to take the credit for ourselves. So the Spirit of God is like, look, you want to take the credit for yourself, I'm going to place you right in the middle of a situation where you know and everybody else around you knows that, man, when this has changed, you had nothing to do with it. Listen, God didn't put Ezekiel in an ER, Dr. Betsy. So that at the end of the day, when his physician skills kick in, Ezekiel can stand back and say, I have something to do with that. The spirit didn't place Ezekiel in the midst of a burn unit so that at the end of the day, when everything turns out all right, Ezekiel can say, man, it was my skills and knowledge that changed this situation. No, he, spirit put Ezekiel in the middle of a valley of bones. Dead bones that have been dead for years, brothers and sisters. God is not scared. The Spirit is not scared to put us in positions where all of our years of schooling, all of our education, all of our knowledge, all of our works, all of our good deeds, all of our money, our lineage, our family, what we bring to the table, our physical and mental capacities, our perseverance mean absolutely nothing. And all we are left to do is cry out to the Holy Spirit. Like, Spirit, help. Spirit loves doing that. Oh, God loves getting all the credit. He loves taking all the glory for himself because it is due his name alone. Some of you might be smack dab in the middle of one of those scenarios where all of your background mean nothing in that scenario. Why are you there? I think you are there so you can cry out like Ezekiel, Lord, you know if this situation can change. You can do it. I'm helpless, but Lord, you are all-powerful. Observation number two. Did you notice what Ezekiel observed about these bones? Ezekiel observed that these bones were not just dry, but in this moment of redundancy, Ezekiel says these bones are very dry. They're not a little bit dry. they all the way dry. This is not, beloved, even a scenario like Lazarus where he had been dead a few years and he stinketh, King James Version. These bones had been out here for years. And it was Ezekiel's observation of this completely hopeless situation that led God to ask Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Can these bones live? This situation is bad and has been bad for years. Ezekiel, can it be changed? In all your experience, Ezekiel, you have never seen a more hopeless situation. Can it be changed? You are in the middle of a situation where all of your power means nothing. Ezekiel, can it be changed? 
And beloved, Ezekiel's response should be our template for how we approach any situation. Ezekiel's response is like, Lord, I've got nothing. Lord, if it can change, you know, because I have no idea. Lord, I, I don't bring anything to the table in this situation. If it gets any better, Lord, you know if it does. Now imagine for a moment, RCC, imagine Ezekiel standing before these dry bones. And the Lord asking Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, you see all this, this valley of dry bones? They've been dead for years. Hey, Ezekiel, can this situation change? Can these dry bones live? Can you imagine Ezekiel standing there and saying, yeah, Lord, you know, I think from all my years of being a prophet, I think I can, I can help these bones out a little bit. Can you imagine Ezekiel standing in the valley of dry bones and saying, you know what, Lord? Yeah, you know what? I think I have enough money in my account that if I put something towards these dry bones, everything. Can you imagine Ezekiel standing in the valley of dry bones and saying, Lord, you know what? If these dry bones just had better education, I think they can live. Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? You know what, God? I got the solution. If these dry bones just had a better presidential candidate, oh, they can live. No, beloved. No, RCC. God isn't scared to put us in position where all of our years of schooling, all of our education, all of our knowledge, all of our works, all of our good deeds, all of our money, all of our lineage, all of our family background, all of our mental and physical capacities mean absolutely nothing. And the only thing we can fall back on is, Lord, you know. That's how, if you were in the room and Man, you, you love Jesus Christ? You were a dry bone at one time. And it took nothing short of the power of God to move in and through you to bring you to life that now you can step back and sing how great is our God. What if? What if you, in the midst of that, difficult circumstance? What if you in the middle of that hopeless situation, what if God is simply waiting on you to stop trying to give CPR to dry bones before he acts? What if You, in the middle of that hopeless and helpless situation, what if God is merely waiting on you to stop trying to give a bottle to dry bones before he acts? Man, what if the Lord is just like, when are you going to realize you need me? When are you going to realize that 
There is no solution that you can come up with that is going to help you in this circumstance but the living, breathing Spirit of God. What if? Point two. There's a prophecy that shakes dry bones, and it is the Word of God. Notice the prophecy that God tells Ezekiel to go about in verse 4. Do you notice what he says? He says, hear the word of the Lord. Do y'all wonder why I start every single sermon like that? Do y'all ever get tired of that? Like, see, here you go again. He's going to say the same thing every week. Same thing every week. You've heard a lot of things. Now, hear the word of the Lord. Because, beloved, I believe that there's power in this word. And I believe that a simple reading of God's word, because I have seen it over and over again, is enough to make dry bones live. I've seen it, which is why I stand here week in and week out and say, hear the word of the Lord. I'm standing, as it were, in a prophetic moment, saying, speak, Lord, because if you speak, you can can change anything. Prophesy to these these bones. You know, prophecy gets a lot of play in our day. A lot, lot of prophets running around. A lot of those who would prophesy running around. So let's, I want to go back just for a moment and give you two types of prophecy that the Old Testament knows about. The first one is foretelling. I think when we hear the word prophecy, a lot of us get this image in our mind of foretelling. That is, telling the future. The Old Testament prophets did this. It would be foretelling. Like, Israel, this is getting ready to happen. Israel, if you don't repent, this is going to to happen. Israel, in a certain amount of time, the Lord is going to do this. That is what is called foretelling. There's also a prophecy in the Old Testament called forth-telling. That is simply saying the Lord says. Hey, Israel, God says. Hey, children of God, God says. Hey, beloved, God says. Hey, people of God, thus saith the Lord. Now, as you read your Old Testament scripture, the huge majority of prophecy is forth-telling. The great majority of Scripture is the prophet standing there and saying, this is what God's Word says. Now, whether it was foretelling or forth-telling, they both contained a word from God. Now, beloved, to speak on behalf of the living God is a serious thing. It's a serious thing that a person would stand and say, the Lord told me to tell you. This is why throughout Scripture you have warning after warning after warning after warning like, hey, y'all want to prophesy, but be careful about whatever you're getting ready to say. Deuteronomy 18.20 says this. I know I had to put all this on one slide. So hopefully y'all can zoom in, squint a little bit, and get all these words. Let me read it to you. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the names of other gods, that prophet must die. 
You may say to yourself, how can we recognize a message the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name and the message does not come true or is not fulfilled, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Do you get what the the warning is saying? The one of many warnings throughout Scripture, like if you stand in the place of God and tell someone God says and it doesn't come true, you are lying on God. And God does not lie. All his promises are yes and amen. So, beloved, if we're we're running around and we're getting messages of prophecy and you want to take the benefits of being prophetic but not the warnings of being prophetic. It's a false prophet. Someone's spoken to your life that you're going to be married by age 20 and you're 21 and you're not married. Man, that's a false prophet. Someone's spoken to your life that X, Y, and Z are going to happen by this date and X, Y, and Z have not happened. It's not a small thing, beloved. It's not a thing to laugh at or just say, oh, they're just trying to be prophetic. No, the scripture says it is so serious that you will lie on God. That prophet deserves to die. It's a serious thing, beloved, to speak on behalf of God. Ezekiel writes a whole chapter on this. Ezekiel 13, he says, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel. Who are prophesying, say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen absolutely nothing. It's a serious thing, beloved, to speak on behalf of God. So as Ezekiel stands there and God says to him, prophesy, son of man. What does Ezekiel do first? He says, hear the word of the Lord. Beloved, you want to be prophetic? Quote some scripture. You want to have a prophetic moment? You want to prophesy in somebody's life? Open up God's word and say, hear the word of the Lord. This is what Moses was thinking about in Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. But Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord will place his spirit on them. This question, a request of Moses has been answered in Jesus Christ. In that, as 1 Peter says, we have something more sure than a prophetic word. We have the word of God. And we are, as God's people, dwelt by God. So, beloved, you want to, hey, you want to be a prophet in this day and age? Preach the gospel. Share the good news. That's being prophetic. You want to be prophetic in this day and age? Send somebody a scripture via text. That's being prophetic. You want to be prophetic or have a prophecy or speak into someone's life? It's having a hard time, a friend of yours? Share a word of scripture with them. That, beloved, is being prophetic. But if you say something on behalf of God and it does not come true, beloved, I fear. Fear what it looks like to lie on God. 
So God tells Ezekiel, speak the word of God. Look at this huge valley of dry bones, Ezekiel, and speak the word of God to them. Now, I need y'all to imagine with me for one more second. Can you imagine God coming to Ezekiel and saying, Ezekiel, if you would just prophesy, if you would just preach my word, if you would just speak my word, these dry bones can live. Can you imagine Ezekiel saying, yeah, Lord, thank you for that. If I just speak what you told me to speak, these dry bones can live. If I just say your word, these dry bones can live. Can you imagine if Ezekiel then left the presence of the Lord and stood in the middle of these dry bones and opened up an article by Fox News and CNN and began to read that article to them? Can you imagine, beloved? What the Lord God would say if we put anything above his word, if we think that anything has the power to resurrect dry bones but his holy word. Oh, I dare not, beloved, stand in this pulpit and proclaim anything to you but the word of God. This is my duty. This is my calling. The power, beloved, resides in the word of God through the spirit of God. If a man or woman in this room is to be resurrected today, it is because the word of God is here. If anybody in this room is to be comforted today, it is because the spirit of God is here. If anybody is to receive any encouragement receive any strength, it is because the Spirit of God is here. It is not because Stephen formulated his words a certain way. It is not because I stand on the newspaper article of this culture and preach that to you. No, God forbid. It's one thing that brings life, and that is the Word of God. It's amazing, brothers and sisters. I received multiple texts. This past week, you know, because we're celebrating two holidays today. I received multiple texts this past week saying, Stephen, man, are you, are you going to preach a sermon on Juneteenth? Are you, are you going to write a sermon about Juneteenth? Multiple texts. Now, hear me, beloved. I'm going to, as soon as service is over, celebrate the mess out of Juneteenth. I'm a girl, I got ribs waiting, sitting in cherry coke right now. That's a secret. Y'all heard it from me. Sitting in cherry coke right now so when I get home, put them bad boys on the grill. Oh, man, I'm going to celebrate the mess out of Juneteenth. I'm going to share with my kids the history of chattel slavery in this country because it's history. I'm going to share with them how even years after the Emancipation Proclamation, some of our ancestors were still not free. I'm going to share that with my kids, but, beloved, I will never stand in this pulpit and preach a sermon on Juneteenth because Juneteenth does not have the power to save one soul in this room. There is no American holiday that has any power to save anybody in this room but the Word of God does. And so every single week that I stand in this pulpit, you will hear me say, open up your Bibles to such and such passage. 
Oh, I'm going to celebrate, but I'm not going to preach on it, beloved. Because the power comes not from Stephen. It comes not from this culture. The power comes from the Spirit of God through the Word of God. So notice what happens immediately after Ezekiel started preaching the Word to them. Verses 7 and 8, things started to take place. Bones started to rattle. feel like I got to sing that song, Eminem Rattle, but I ain't going to sing it. Bones, skin, tendons. As soon as the word of God was going out, things started to happen. But notice, brothers and sisters, there was no breath in them yet. Bones started coming together. Skin was placed on them, but there was no breath in them. And that caused me to pause. And it had me think this one thought. It is possible to preach the word of God without the spirit of God that produce good-looking, lifeless Christians. RCC, the goal is not for Christian appearance. The goal is not for religiosity. The goal is not for you to just dress the part, put on skins, bones coming together. The goal is for salvation. The goal is for the Spirit of God to breathe life into your lungs. Beloved, we don't come here to just look the part. This is why we always say, man, we're broken. And we need the Spirit of God to heal us. But it is possible in Ezekiel 37 to preach and not have the breath of life there. Man, beloved, that's a scary thought. To prophesy and preach without the Spirit, it merely creates zombies. This is why, beloved, in our worship, when we're singing different moments, we pause. People say, well, why do you pause in the midst of singing or parts of the service? We pause because we, we just need that time to say, Spirit, we are doing this in vain if you're not here. Spirit, come. Breathe life into a slain. So if you're sitting there this morning, beloved, and you can't think of anything else to do while I'm preaching, here's something you can do. You can be praying right now. You can be saying, Spirit of God, if the Spirit is not here, everything Stephen says is useless. But if your spirit is here, Heavenly Father, if your spirit is moving, oh, man, lives can be changed. Hearts can be mended. Dead men and women can get up out the grave and walk sins can be forgiven. This is why I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon, an old preacher. He says this, oh, brethren, think nothing of us who preach to you. If you begin to suppose that such and such minister, having been blessed of God to so many thousands, will necessarily be the means of conversion of your friend, you are imputing to a son of man what only belongs to the Spirit of God. And you will assuredly do that pastor serious mischief by tolerating in your heart such an idolatrous thought. We as preachers and pastors are nothing if the Spirit of God isn't here. 
So no, beloved, I'm not the only one acting in this moment. You should be very active in your prayers. For your, for your own heart, that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and plant it deep within your heart that He may change you. For the person sitting next to you, that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and plant it deep in their hearts and it will change them. Oh, as I'm preaching, you should be praying. And as you're praying, I am preaching that the Spirit of God will do what only the Spirit of God can do. And that's what brings us to our final point. That is the power of God. Notice verse 9. Enter the slain spirit that they may live. Beloved, any, any interaction with seemingly hopeless, helpless, lifeless situations without this Ezekiel plea, we are wasting our time. Any interaction with our neighbors, our family members, even our own souls, where we're not crying out to God, Spirit of God, enter these slain that they may live, we are wasting our time. So as you go, and as one of the marks of Redemption City Church's courageous evangelism, taking the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he can save you from your sins, if you're not going and saying at the same time, Spirit, come, man, we're wasting our time. Notice verse 11. They say, our hope is gone. Some, possibly many, of you in this room are in that current situation. Say, man, I hear it, but my hope is gone. I hear it and I see it, but I'm without hope. Beloved, it is, it is no accident that you are listening to the word of God at this moment. It is no accident that verse 12 says that even out of the graves the Lord can call men and women. It is no accident that the Spirit of God is able to enter hopeless, lifeless situations and bring comfort and joy out of them. It is no accident that the Spirit of God would have you in a place to hear yet again your hope is not gone. Can these bones live, Spirit of God? You know. There's some in this room who have never placed their hope and faith in Jesus Christ, who are still lost in their sins who are still suffering under the weight of shame and guilt. In this prophetic moment, allow me to prophesy. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And he will separate your sin and your shame and guilt as far as the east is from the west. It is not by works 
beloved, that you are saved. It is merely the gift of God. Some of you in this room are in a hopeless situation where you just need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Allow me to prophesy for a moment in your life. The Word of God says the Spirit will comfort you. And after He has comforted you, He desires that you comfort others with the same hope that you have been comforted with. Beloved, these these are the promises of God of which there are many in the Word of God. So as we think about what the Spirit of God is able to do, let's not not just think about it. Let's stand, sing together, and proclaim what the power of the Spirit is able to do in hopeless situations. Let's stand and sing together.